Hey friends, I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Erin Cusio, and this is Room for Lovely. Several years ago, I began following Kayla Stecklin on social media. This was some time after Kayla lost her husband, Andrew. As lead pastor at Inland Hills Church in Southern California, many were devastated when they heard the news that in 2018, Andrew died by suicide. Kayla was left in the wake of his death with three small boys and a life that was completely unlike anything she had ever imagined. The last four years have been inexplicably difficult and messy, while also providing space for hope and light in the journey, as Kayla has worked to find purpose amidst her pain. Today, she's here to talk about how this season has offered her and her boys the gift of healing as they have been rebuilding beautiful. Thank you, Kayla, so much for being here. If you would, would you start by just introducing yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are and what's going on in your world. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm a mom. I have three wild, beautiful blue-eyed boys. My oldest is almost 10, my middle son's eight, and my youngest is six. So life is super busy and full on the mom side. And then I'm also an author and speaker and mental health advocate. So when I'm not with my kids in the short little bit of time while they're at school, I'm writing and speaking and traveling and um, just enjoying that beautiful work that um, God has allowed me to do. You mentioned being a mental health advocate, which is really kind of where my journey following you started. I just so empathized with what you had going on because that you had three boys and I just couldn't imagine being in your shoes. But would you take us back just a little bit to how that part of your journey kind of began? Yeah. So our journey really started in the fall of 2017. My husband, Andrew, he was leading our church at the time, big church in Southern California, like 4,000 people. And he had been leading and running hard and running fast for about seven years. And I think everything just kind of caught up with him and he entered a season of burnout. It started with panic attacks and those panic attacks kept getting worse and worse and worse. And it eventually led to Um, a hospital, a visit to the hospital, and then a depression diagnosis. And so in the summer of 2018, we really wrestled with depression. And I say we, because when you're dealing with mental illness, it really is a we thing. Um, My art therapist described it that I was co-burdening my husband's depression. And so we were in the season of depression and we were doing everything we knew to do to support my husband's mental health. He was seeing a psychiatrist. He was taking medication. We were seeing a therapist together for two hours every single week. Um, He was spending time with mentors. We went on a two-week road trip, just the two of us to work on our marriage. Like you name it, we tried it. We were doing everything we knew to do to support his mental health and to help him heal. And the doctors thought he was getting better and Andrew thought he was getting better. And so he was released to go back to work in August, 2018. And he hit the ground running, gave two powerful messages back-to-back weekends on mental health, talked about depression, talked about suicide, gave out the suicide hotline number, and then headed into the third weekend. He had a really bad day at the office. We all know what it's like to have a really bad day at the office. And it kind of just set his mind into a tailspin and 
his mind was just so much more fragile than I think he realized or the doctors realized or our family even realized. And so that day we knew, okay, he needs to take more time off work. He needs to take some more time to heal his mind. We need to try to figure out what other options we have to help him find healing. And so while we were away from him for just a little bit, checking all our boxes and trying to figure out what the next steps would be for Andrew's healing, he attempted suicide. And it was an absolute blindside. Um, that day that we found out about the suicide, that moment, it was the worst moment of my life. And he was rushed to the hospital and the doctors ran a bunch of tests. And unfortunately, there wasn't anything they could do to save him. And so on August 25th, 2018, he took his last breath. And with that, I took my first in this life I never saw coming as a widow at 29 years old with three little boys who were just two, four, and five years old when their dad died. And so I was basically, it felt like I was handed a microphone. Our story went viral. Everybody was talking about it. It was on the news. It was all over Instagram. And I felt like it was an opportunity to talk about something that not a lot of people wanted to talk about. It was an opportunity to reframe frame suicide in a way that um, was full of empathy and compassion and love. And so I chose to pick up the microphone. I chose to speak. I chose to write. I chose to be vulnerable about all the things I did wrong, all the, all the ways that we missed the mark, all of the conversations I wish I would have had with Andrew. And it's been really powerful to see just the ripple effect of um, just my vulnerability and the way that God's used that to literally save people's lives. So much of your story was built on Andrew's story, on supporting him as a wife. And then even in his death, as you picked up that microphone and began to advocate for mental health, so much of that was still surrounded by Andrew. How did you sort of find yourself step into that moment as Kayla? It was an unraveling. Um, so much of who I was, so much of my identity was wrapped up in who Andrew was. Um, he took up a lot of space and there wasn't a lot of space for me or my dreams or my ideas. I mean, my life, my, my world was Andrew and my boys and our church. And so when he passed away, it was really this, I described it um, in my book and just to friends too, just it felt like Andrew was in the driver's seat. I was along for the ride. Our three boys were in the back. And then all of a sudden, Andrew's gone and like life invited me to slide into the driver's seat. And I've got still got these three boys sitting in the back seat asking mommy, where are we going next? And I'm asking myself like, oh my gosh, where are we going next? Who am I now? It's that question of who am I now that Andrew's gone? If I'm no longer Andrew's wife, if I'm no longer a pastor's wife, then who am I now? And I think I'm still learning how to answer that question. You know, it's a bit of an identity crisis <laughs> um, that I've gone through the last four years. And I've been surprised to find some answers to that. I've been surprised at um, who I've become here on the other side of loss. And I think anybody that's gone through something really painful or difficult or something as um, massive and explosive as losing a spouse, it really does. It just like, breaks apart everything. And for me, you know, a huge part of that was identity. And so 
it's been getting curious. It's been asking myself, you know, what, what are the things I like? What are the things I don't like? What are the things I'm passionate about? What are the things I'm not passionate about? Where do I want to spend my time? Where don't I want to spend my time? And it's been really fun to find the answers. And I've like really enjoyed stepping out and trying new things and being willing to fail and um, knowing that failing is part of the process. And also knowing if I never try, then I'm never going to succeed either. You know, our dreams require action. And if we never take action in our dreams, then our dreams are never going to come to fruition. And so it's been really fun the last four years having these big, beautiful dreams that I felt like God was planting in my heart. The dream of writing a book. And not only did I write one, but I wrote two. The dream of moving to a new house. And not only do we move to a new house, we moved into a fixer upper. And so the dream of fixing up our house and literally like tearing out walls and ripping out floors and tearing out bathrooms with my three boys, handing them hammers and, and mallets and just saying, go for it. And it's been such a journey. And I feel like I'm still unraveling. I'm still figuring out who I want to become here on this other side of loss. And um, as painful and heartbreaking as it is, it's been a really beautiful journey as well. You mentioned the idea of identity and a couple of weeks ago, you read a part of a chapter coming out in your book, which is launching today. And part of that said, when Andrew died in a cruel and upside down way, I was set free. And as I listened to that quote, it really just hit me so hard because free is typically a word that we associate with a positive meaning, but I just felt the difficulty in that free, in what ways was finding that freedom heavy? Oh, it's so heavy. Every day, it's still heavy. You know, I carry the weight. Andrew was the breadwinner in our family. He was the leader of our home. Like I said, he was in the driver's seat. He was full of vision. He knew where we were going to go. And so when I slid into that driver's seat and no, there's no one in the passenger seat, it's literally just me and my three boys. The weight of that is heavy. I mean, it's a very heavy burden um, to be a single parent, to be a solo parent, to raise three boys in Southern California on my own is an extreme burden. And every single day, the only way that I've been able to survive <laughs> the burden that it is and the over, it's overwhelming. If I sit and think about it for too long, it's my life is completely overwhelming. And the only way that I've been able to survive is through surrender. It's surrender over and over and over and over and over again. It's whispering, I trust you, God, right here, even though I'm looking out across the horizon from the driver's seat and I might not have any idea what's coming for us or what's ahead or what's just beyond what I can see. God, I trust you. And I know that you've provided for us every step of the way. And he has, I mean, God has been so faithful and just flung open door after door after door after door for me and my boys to walk through and not and not that it was easy not that it was easy to walk through those doors most of the time it was absolutely terrifying pit in my stomach nausea terrifying to walk through some of those doors but he's been so faithful and i think you know when we show up um willing to try when we show up willing to trust God, even though we might not know what's ahead. I think that's when life gets really exciting. And I think it's when life might might even surprise us and all the things we might, might be able to accomplish might even surprise us. You know, I think the most beautiful part of life is that we get to step in and out of a hundred different versions of ourself. Um, I'm, I am not the person that I was when I was married to Andrew and the person that I am today, hopefully if I'm still changing and growing and evolving is going to be totally different than the person I am even this time next year. It's 
it's such a beautiful part of life that we're always changing and growing and evolving. And um, I think we can't limit ourselves to um, one version, you know, like that's the mystery of life (laughs) is that when we're doing life with God and when we're stepping out of our comfort zone and when we're pursuing those um, God-sized dreams that he's planting in our heart, like we're going to grow and we're going to change and we're going to evolve. And it's an exciting ride. I know that the grief journey requires us to be able to hold both joy and sorrow all at the same time. At what point walking along, did you find yourself beginning to say, you know, I think I might like who I am here. It's such a rebuilding of who you are and, and stripping away of everything that was before. When did you kind of come out of the darkness into, okay, we might be all right. A big part of our rebuilding journey was moving. Um, We lived in this little house and just around the city where I lived with my husband and it was great and I could have stayed there forever and I could have raised my kids there and it would have been fine. But I really just felt this desire that like we need to go that in order to have a fresh start in order to rebuild our life, we really needed to have that fresh start. We needed to be in a place where I wasn't constantly reminded of a life that was no longer mine. We needed to be in a place where I could go to the grocery store without driving past the cemetery where Andrew was laid to rest. And so we moved about two years ago and I had this moment when we moved into our home, we had been in our home for a couple months and I had put up our Christmas tree. We always put our Christmas tree up on November 1st (laughs) and I had put up our Christmas tree. I had the fire going in the fireplace and I was standing, I'd put the boys to bed and I had just finished cleaning up the living room and I was about to turn off the fireplace and turn off the lights and like shut it down for the night. And I was standing in my living room and I had this moment and I said these words out loud. I said, I chose this. I chose this. And it was like this pivotal moment where I realized for the first time in the last few years, I was actually standing in a life I chose that, um, yes, that horrible, horrific thing happened to me. Um, but despite that, you know, I was able to choose new life. I had chose new life. I had chased after it. And I was standing in this new home, actually really old, needed a lot of work home in this new city in this new life. And I just, ha- I was crying and it totally just like brought me to tears. Like, oh my gosh, sometimes death steals our entire life. Um, but when we keep showing up, when we keep fighting through, when we keep trying again and again and again, when we keep chasing down our dreams, it's like, that's when the new life begins. And so, yeah, I've had a lot of those powerful moments, but that one, it was like the most tangible where it was just like, wow, I actually did this. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that we're actually here, that the person that that I was, you know, two years ago, right after Andrew died, would be shocked that I'm standing in the place I'm standing in today. And hearing you talk about your house, I feel like the journey that you guys have been on in in rebuilding this house and remodeling this house has been, I know, such a metaphorical journey to the actual journey that you've been on, kind of ripping everything away and starting again. What do you think that it has done for your boys to watch you step bravely into this new adventure? Because we call it an adventure and that sounds like a fun word, but certainly it hasn't always been fun. Things that maybe moms don't typically do, you know, ripping out a wall and laying tile and doing all of these things in this new house. How do you think that's affected them? I think it is epic that the boys get to watch a woman do (laughs) manual labor in a home. It's just like 
so opposite of what culture sometimes like tells us, you know, that women do these things and men do these things. And um, I think it's been so cool for them to see mom laying floors and laying tile and ripping out walls and for them to be a part of it. Um, I think they're going to look back when they're older and later in life and look back at this season, you know, with a single mom and what that looks like. And I hope that they're able to look back and see that they had a mom that was fierce, that they had a mom that was super brave and um, willing to show up and do the hard things and try and try and try again. And a mom that might not get it right, the refrigerator might leak after you install it on the brand new floor, but then you remove the refrigerator and rip out the floor and do it all over again. That actually happened. It was so sad. Um, But I think, you know, I think it's modeling for them. I think the best thing that I can give my kids in this season is a healthy me. And I think for anybody that has young kids, that's walking through a difficult season, like the best thing, the best gift you can give your kids is a fully alive, pursuing healing, pursuing rebuilding, um, a version of yourself that is just like fully alive and fully invested and fully present and fully willing to show up and do the hard work, Um, whether that's the hard work of healing, whether that's the hard work of rebuilding, whether that's the hard work of dreaming. I think the greatest gift we can give to our kids is just a healthy, alive version of us. And I think that hopefully my boys will look back on this season and say, dang, mom really tried. I don't know if I, if I did a great job, but mom, mom really tried to make a beautiful life for us, despite the really hard thing that happened. With the opportunity to really be anybody you want to be, what has been the best thing that you've discovered about yourself? I've been so surprised of all the things that I was capable of that I just had no idea um, that I'm that I was capable of remodeling a house that I was capable of writing a book that I was capable of doing these interviews or talking on stages or speaking into a microphone. I think I've been so blown away by all of it. And um, just still in like awe surrender and just like cannot believe that this is my life in the most painful ways and the most beautiful ways. Yeah, I think all of it is still so surprising. And I think that's part of the journey. You know, it's like, I'm standing in a completely different life. I'm living a completely different life than I was living over four years ago. And the person I am today is a completely different person than I was four years ago. And I feel like I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm still trying to find the answers. I'm still um, answering the question of who am I now or who am I becoming or who do I want to become? Yeah, I think all of it is exciting and challenging and fun and hard and painful And um, it really takes a living with unclenched hands, um, a letting go of the clinging, you know, things for so long, at least for the first two, three years, I was just clinging to this life that I used to have, clinging to this person that I used to be. And it was like this, I was fully able or finally able to step into healing when I was able to let go of my clinging. And I think when we're able to let go of our clinging and live with unclenched hands and just surrender to the reality of what is and um, begin to dream new dreams about what could be, it's like then then we get to step into all that God wants to do here. So yeah, it's all exciting and wonderful and terrible and hard and beautiful, all tangled and twisted together. Well, your book rebuilding beautiful is, I think a lot about that journey. Whereas the first book was more about Andrew's journey. This book is so much more about you. 
tell me a little bit about the book and the chapters that are in it and what people can expect from it. Yeah. So I um, broke down the rebuilding beautiful process and what that's meant to me and just my own experience of rebuilding my life. And I'm still rebuilding my life. I have not arrived. I'll never be fully arrived. I don't think any of us are fully arrived. I think it's just a constant in and out of all these processes. But the five processes that I broke down in the book are embrace, heal, explore, dream, and live. And each process has three chapters. They're all standalone chapters. They're super fast, four or five pages, easy read. And I really wanted to tackle a bunch of different things. I've been learning a bunch of different things in this season. And um, although it is, I feel like you can go through each process over and over again, and you can go back and do another one and then go back and do the other one. As much as I do think it's that, it can also be linear. It's like, In order to rebuild a beautiful life, first, we have to embrace whatever happened to us. We have to embrace the sharp, jagged edges of our story. And that's stepping towards and embracing the pain. That's making the choice to heal. That's showing up for therapy. That's showing up in community. That's cultivating community and looking for the gift of solidarity in other people. Um, It's searching out those support groups. You know, in my journey... The last four years, a big part of that, I've found a community of women, other fierce women um, that are in the same boat as me. And I've been a part of this widow group, Never Alone Widows. And it has been such a gift to me um, to attend some of their retreats and conferences and sit in those spaces and know that I'm truly not alone on this journey. And so I think solidarity is a huge part of the rebuilding journey. And then I think after we embrace our pain and welcome our pain and like fully with wide open arms, welcome what is and begin to heal. That's when it gets fun. You know, it's okay. I've I've done the hard work of healing. I've embraced every sharp edge as much as I can possibly can. And I know the waves are going to keep coming. And I know it's like, grief is like a lifelong thing. I'm going to be 70 years old and waves are still going to be hitting me from Andrew's loss. But after we go through those processes, I think that's when it gets fun. And that's when we get to explore our new world. That's when we get to open our eyes and wake up a little bit, see this new life that we're living. That's when we have those, I chose this moment. Um, That's when we get to ask ourselves, like, what are the dreams that God's planting in my heart? What is the vision that he has for my life for the next 5, 10, 15 years? What are the things I like? What are the things I don't like? Who am I now on the other side of what's happened to me, on the other side of the curveball? that came hurtling my way like who am I now and getting to explore that for me part of the explorer has been exploring um even dating all over again and what what does that look like to pursue a relationship or to find love on the other side of loss I read a whole chapter about that even though I've only been on two dates (laughs) (laughs) and um and then we get to dream you know and it's like actually taking action on those dreams and and actually um, celebrating on the other side, like celebrating those dreams. You know, I have a book releasing this week and it's like, I'm going to go to dinner with my girlfriends and celebrate the heck out of that. And um, being willing to stop and celebrate the wins is a huge part of rebuilding. And then the last little section live is living daily with gratitude. It's um, trying to find our way back to what is what is living a healthy life look like now. I know for me in my um, rebuilding journey, my it's a totally affected my health. Grief and loss and everything I've gotten to has totally 
just changed my body and changed my health. So what does health look like? What does living a healthy life look like on the other side of loss? And then what is truly living? Um, What is living with gratitude? What is living with joy? What does it look like to have defiant joy um, in the midst of suffering and sorrow? So it's a lot of different things. They're all standalone chapters. And I really try to tackle a bunch of different things. I feel like it's even hard to explain because it's so many things, but um, you're just going to have to grab the book and... (laughs) find out more. Listen, I love a good online boutique. Finding one that has great affordable styles, impeccable customer service, and gifts back, that is the best. The Redeem Boutique offers casual women's clothing to keep women of all ages on trend, plus they give back 10% of every sale to aid nonprofit organizations serving at-risk youth. Nothing is lovelier than that. And guys, I am so excited to tell you that the Redeem Boutique is offering our listeners 15% off purchases with the code LOVELY15. Click the link in show notes and enter the code LOVELY15 at checkout. Then go make some room in your closet for lovely. Well, I am so very grateful for taking the time to be with me, not once, but twice. Um, But if you would, before we go, I always end by just saying, tell me something good. So in your life right now, big or small, What's really good? This book that's releasing this week is really, really good. Um, I'm so excited to get this message out. I'm so excited to share these words with the readers. And um, I'm excited to start dreaming about what's next. Thanks for joining me for another week. If you haven't done it yet, I would absolutely love it if you checked out the show notes and clicked on my website, erincusio.com to subscribe. I promise I won't spam you with tons of unnecessary emails. Those are the worst. I am heading into 2023 with big dreams and big goals, and I want you to be the first to know about all I've got planned. I've got to tell you that this week's episode almost didn't happen. I was just a couple days out from releasing when my laptop died a very painful death, and I lost some important things that weren't backed up. Always double save the important stuff. But Kayla was so gracious to join me again for a second interview, and I couldn't be more grateful. Her story is one of grit and beauty in a way that weaves loveliness through the most awful season of life. I am inspired by her resilience. I'm grateful for her example. Kayla challenges me to look hard in the face and do it anyway. She reminds me that we can live life with a both and perspective. Life can be both difficult and beautiful, If only we are willing to show up, keep believing, and keep making room for lovely.